Hey guys, we're going to interrupt um, our study of the uh, parables just for the morning. Um, as most of you know, I, uh, I've been gone a couple of weeks and I just thought it might be good to just give you some, at least some brief impressions of uh, some of the things that, that um, happened there. Uh, if you want to hear more, yeah, I'm, we're going to do some more on Wednesday nights and I encourage you to be with us for that too. That's uh, it's a fun time. On Wednesday nights. Now, um, let me remind you also that tonight uh, is a chili cook-off. If you didn't cook anything, it's okay. There's plenty of food. It doesn't cost you anything. Come eat it. Come play with your uh, other church-going mates. Have a good time and bring your family. They run amok, and we love it. So tonight, 6 o'clock, be a, be a part of that. Let me uh, invite your attention to what really is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 10. It contains a few statements in there that I, I just, <clears throat> I can't quite get beyond. And, and if you don't know much about the book of Deuteronomy, um, it's certainly not one that people do a whole lot of book study over. Um, Deuteronomy is, um, is a collection of sermons on the part of Moses. Moses is towards the end of his, I mean, Moses at the end of the book is dead. And then Joshua takes over. But um, uh, Deuteronomy is a collection of sermons that, that Moses, is preach, Moses preaches to Israel before he leaves. And so he's kind of wrapping up things, kind of... Um, uh, rehearsing some recent events of the last 40 years and then giving them some, um, uh, some instructions as to what they should be doing when he leaves. This is part of that and, uh, in one of those sermons. I'm going to begin reading at verse 12 of chapter 10, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, which is not that long. So stay with me as I read. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? Behold, To the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. By his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. 
Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, it endures forever. You know, guys, um, I bet even the students, the student population of Gracie Van, would recognize the name of the most famous singing quartet that ever lived. The Beatles. I bet you even they've heard of the Beatles. In fact, I, I would even further wager that they, would, they, could, prop, they could probably um, recognize some of their songs, some of the, um, some of the Beatles songs. Um, you know, over the years, uh, and, I, and I've read a couple of them, there, there have been people who have sought to analyze uh, the Beatles' music and try to discover the, the philosophy that was behind it or the philosophy that was contained in it. And, um, you know, that's kind of hard to do on some of their songs, not others, but you remember, you, you may remember, you have to be my age to remember, but their first song was, I want to hold your hand. You know, there's not a whole lot of philosophy behind, I want to hold your hand. And, uh, and by the way, um, just for, uh, uh, for historians' sake, uh, I still am in possession of a copy of the first Beatles album. It was entitled Meet the Beatles. And I tried to sell it um, at a garage sale several years ago for $25. Nobody would buy it. And I understand now that a vintage copy of that album is worth $1,000. Um, and and I, I have also heard that LPs, do you know what an LP is? <laughs> you again are going to age yourself, but an LP is a long playing. You know, they called them wax. Um, the, 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 the LPs, the, you know, those black things. I, I, I understand they're making a comeback. So I, I am so far out, I'm in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, but although there's not much philosophy, and I want to hold your hand, um, there's a whole lot of philosophy and. Or, or a whole lot of it, interesting something going on in some of the um, some of the other Beatles songs, uh, like "Money Can't Buy Me Love," "Can't Buy Me Love." Remember that one? Somebody said that that was when the Beatles finally, in in the midst of all their fame and all of their uh, the fortune that came along with it, discovered that um, it really wasn't meeting their needs. It really wasn't addressing. Um, some of the things that they really long for. Or um, the Paul McCartney song, Yesterday, Yesterday, All My Troubles Seem So Far Away. Now it seem, looks as if they're here to stay. Boy, all my troubles seem so far away, but not anymore. They're all over me. The one, however, that, um, that most people say that Christians really miss their chance with the Beatles um, was a song that, that was sung um, both by McCartney and Lennon. Um, and it was entitled Help. Remember that one? Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. When I was younger, so much younger than today. I never needed anybody help in any way. 
But now these days have gone, I'm not so self-assured. Now I've changed my mind and I opened up my, whatever, opened up the door. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. Remember that? A lot of people say that that was um, the Beatles' cry for help. And the Christian church never came forward. And so instead of um, being introduced to uh, help, they became the spokesman for a lot of weird causes. You know, remember, if you remember, they became the kind of the spokesman of the anti-war movement, um, uh, the Vietnam War. They became uh, uh, devotees of some Maharashi something or other in an Eastern religion. And they became quite outspoken about the use of drugs. And they, um, they, they published a, um, a, um, an album called Magical Mystery Tour. Um, it's waiting to take you away. And, and most suggested it was a reference to uh, drugs and, and um, an escape from reality. But you know, um, the one song that has probably received more analysis than any of them, than any of those songs, uh, maybe not more than help, but, but maybe, um, um, was a song that, 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 I, that I love to sing. Um, and I bet you could guess which one it is. Eleanor Rigsby. You remember that song? Eleanor Rigsby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream. Waits at the window. Wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? And then, then the song really got serious for people like me. Father McKenzie. Writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear. <laughs> no one comes near. Look at him working. Darning his socks in the night. When there's nobody there. What does he care? All the lonely people. And then the final stanza was, Eleanor Rigsby died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Father McKenzie. Wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved. All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? You know, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I want you to know that in terms of the discussion of that song, I'm not the first and I'm certainly not the best. But, but that song by the Beatles, um, many suggested, was a statement, uh, was a commentary on post-war life in Britain. Others suggested that it was just uh, their statement of uh, existentialism um, to which their, their spiritual journey had taken them. Um, 
Nobody cares. Now, guys, I want you to make sure that you hear me say this because I am not, um, I'm not claiming uh, um, <laughs> any originality about my thoughts about that song. Others have done a much better job than, than I'm doing um, in trying to analyze the nuances of both the song and the singers of the song. Fact is, I'm probably about 30 years late. <laughs> I, I am... Um, I'm, I'm 30 years behind the curve. I'm a, I'm a real Johnny-come-lately when it comes to that song and analyzing it. I, and, and, I, and I'm not trying this morning to be hip uh, or, or slick. I hate slick. And I'm way too old to be hip. I'm, I'm merely trying to tell you what struck me most while I was away for two weeks. All the lonely people in both places, in in India and in Spain, where do they all come from? All those lonely people, where do they all belong? To be perfectly honest, guys, I really have no right to assess them. Um, as harshly as that, you know, um, I'm, I'm, um, I, I don't know that they are that lonely. It's, I, I'm simply describing an impression that was made upon me. Last Tuesday, um, gosh, it seems longer than that, but five days ago, Susie and I ha- had just performed our obligatory touristy things in, in Barcelona. We'd gone to this park called I don't even know how to pronounce it, Guel or something like that. And then we went to this place called the Pieso di Gratia. Um, interestingly, the main drag, the main, the poplar of, uh, of Barcelona is a street named Grace. <laughs> um, but um, it's, 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 it's kind of the Champs-Élysées of, 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 of Barcelona. Uh, but um, we had we had walked from this park all the way down this street, and which is really the way we kind of like to do things is walk. You get to see more, and you you don't have to follow the little lady with the umbrella, you know, stuck up and staying in the group. But but on our way back from the park, uh, spending much of the day, we had to make one final stop, and um, as you might expect, and it was at Zara. Now, if you don't know what Zara is, Zara is a department store. It's a pretty slick department store, and I don't know that there, there's certainly none in Memphis. Uh, there might be one in New York, but my wife, my wife needs to shop. And so um, she goes inside, and what I normally do is bring along something with me to do while she's doing that. And so I always go into these stores and I look for a place to sit down, um, and it, but there was no places to sit down, which made me mad. So I went outside and um, I sat on the plinth of a, of a column. There were several columns out front. And I, I sat on that plinth that kind of by myself while Susie was, was shopping. <clears throat> um, and this store, Zara, is located on a corner that's got to be the, the, the busiest intersection of, of all in, of Barcelona. It reminded me of New York. 
except it was a whole lot wealthier. It was uh, a lot um, younger, more prosperous. There was just scads and scads of people coming and going and just in and out and around and traffic. And and as I sat there, the, the thing that just kept playing over and over in my head was all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? When I was in India, it's much worse in India. <laughs> um, if you've ever been over to Indi- India, you know that, um, that you stay in a hotel, but you've got an hour's drive from the hotel to the compound where I do my work. It's an hour's drive over and an hour's drive back. And what you see on those two drives is absolutely breathtaking. There's more people than you can ever possibly imagine doing, you know, I really don't know what they're doing. They're, they're, they're busying about, but, you know, they're, they're sweeping dirt. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. But, but there is this heart-wrenching pathos wherever you look. And as, on the, as I drove over there and back every day, the, the thing that just kept humming in my head was, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? Now, guys, let me tell you where we're going with this. Um, first of all, let me tell you where we're not going. Uh, let me tell you what this is not about. Um, this is not about them. My sermon this morning. It's not about them. It's not about the, the Indians or it's not about the, the Catalonians. I, very, very honestly, I, I don't know whether they are lonely. I can't say that. Um, they look lonely. They, they look aimless. They, they look uh, hopeless. But I, I have no way of making that assessment honestly and accurately. I have no right to make that sweeping generalization. This is not about the Indians. It's not about the, the, the Spanish. But secondly, it, it's not about asking you also to give more money so that we can go out and reach some of all those lonely people. You know, kind of guilting you into more missions giving. Did, um, did we reach people? That is Rick San Roman and I. Did, did we reach people in India? I, I hope so. I think so, but I, but I don't know that for sure. Only eternity will, will answer that question. Um, did this trip take Rick and I outside of the Shire? Oh, you bet it did that. And, and I want to share some of that with you <coughs> this coming Wednesday night. If you, if you want to hear some more, come Wednesday night. We'll tell you about being outside the Shire. But this morning, it's not about that. It's not, it's not about any of that. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about all the lonely people here. Maybe even in this room. And when I say lonely, I I mean it, I'm using the term like I think the Beatles were using the term. 
They weren't talking about people who just had nobody in their lives. People who didn't have a date on Friday night. They were talking about people whose lives were disillusioned, that were empty. That, that, that had really no substance within. They were um, unguided people. People with, uh, without any answers to some of life's most basic questions. I, I, I say that's the way the Beatles were using that word, and I think I'm right. And here's why I think I'm right. I'm, I'm, I think they were using it that way because of the two questions that they asked in the refrain. All these lonely people, where did they come from? Well, they're not talking about, hey, I mean, you know, how can we get these people some friends? They're, they're talking about all these lonely people, where do they belong? What are they supposed to be doing with their lives? It's not, uh, could we find out their addresses? That's not what the song was about. It was about a bunch of people who, who we don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And we don't know where they came from. <clears throat> In fact, I think, ladies and gentlemen, they're asking life's two most basic questions. Where did I come from? And what am I here for? Let me also tell you what this is about, this sermon. It's about joy. <laughs> joy? Joy how? It's about joy in the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. It's about joy in my knowing who I am and what I'm here for. The joy is, is, is mine because of a relationship that I have that gives me definitions to questions that, that, that are the most basic that life offers me. Where did I come from? Why am I here? You know, um, I don't know what those people in India or what those people in Spain have or don't have. But I know what Christians have, or are at least supposed to have. I know what the Christian gospel offers us. I know what the Christian message provides for all of us. And what it offers ought to produce joy. Now, Christians, what do we have? What do we have? Well, you know, as, as hokey as this may sound, Most of the important questions that we face can be reduced to pretty much those two. Who am I? And what's my purpose in being here? Just like the Beatles were singing about. Well, indeed, who am I? Well, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a creature. I'm not the creator. 
I'm an employee. I'm not the employer. I'm an employee. I'm not the boss. I'm a tenant. I'm not the owner. I am made. I am not the maker. I'm I'm finite. I am not infinite. You know, one of the words that, that kept coming up while we were in India is the word perspective. Trips like that help you gain perspective. Yes, they do. Did, did God use me in Rick San Roman? I don't know. But I can tell you this much. He sure put me in my place. And it's a good place. I was reminded that the Lord God, He is God. It is He who hath made us and not we ourselves. You know, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that's offered to Christians is this. That in knowing this God, I know. I know where I came from. I know that I am made. And I am made in His image. And thus, just because of that simple fact, I have value. A value, whether you can recognize it or not, is not the issue. I am made in His his image, and simply because I am, I have a worth. And it has nothing to do with my net worth. I have dignity because the God of heaven and earth made me. He is my father in heaven and that's where I came from. Here's the second thing that brings me joy. The second thing that all Christians have, all of us, we have a sense of purpose. We have a raison d'etre. That's really why I read Deuteronomy 10. I'm going to read you just one verse out of it. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever answered, have you ever asked that question? What does the Lord God require of you? What does he want from me? There it is. To fear the Lord your God. To walk in his ways. To love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. What is my life all about? What is the reason that I'm here? Well, I can tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, my purpose in life is not to pastor this church. My purpose is not to sell a product or it's not to teach a class or it's not to fly a plane. 
That may be my calling. But my purpose my purpose is right there. What does the Lord God want us from us? It's right there. It tells me to whom I belong and what my purpose is. It tells me what the one who made me wants from me. And you know, guys, because I have those two things, that is, a knowledge of where I came from and a knowledge of what God wants from me, no matter what else I might not have, I am not one of those lonely people. And if you know Jesus Christ, you aren't either. I'm not one of those people who don't know where I came from. I do know where I came from. I don't sweep dirt. I'm not one of those people who wonder about what is life about? What am I supposed to be doing with this thing? The gospel answers both of those questions for me. You know, um, some Christians have a harder time of it than other Christians do. You know, Um, some Christians have harder times financially and harder times with struggles and pain, etc. You know, it it varies from Christian to Christian. I mean, I I have a daughter and a son-in-law who struggle more than... Most. But all of us, all of us Christians have two things that much of the world lacks. We have a true sense of identity and a true sense of purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, that ought to produce joy. Yes, our our sin is forgiven. Our souls are safe because of what Jesus Christ has given to us by way of a gift. Our eternity is secure because of Christ. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, even now, even right now in this life, I know who I am. And I know why I'm here. I know where I came from. And I know where I belong.
Do you? Or, or do you just plod on replacing one short-term temporary goal with another one and, and linking one short-term goal to the next and to the next and you, you string that all out and call it life? Ladies and gentlemen, it's no different from the women sweeping dirt on the streets of Hyderabad. I don't have to travel to India to see all those lonely people. Some of them some of them go to church here. And you know my friend, when when I urge you to come to Christ, It's not just so that somebody can stick a ticket to heaven in your pocket and spray you with a coat of asbestos so that you won't burn in hell. When I urge you to come to Christ, it is indeed a concern about where you're going to spend an eternity. Yes, but there's more. I urge you to come to Christ So that you can have life and have it more abundantly right now. By the way, um, I think the Beatles left out one of the uh, ultimate questions. I think there's a third one other than the two I've already mentioned. The third, what I think is an ultimate question, is um, what happens to me when I die? Have you asked that one yet? Or have you been too busy with the short-term goals? I guess what's more important is have you answered it correctly? Because, ladies and gentlemen, every religion out there offers you an answer to that question. And one of the religions has the right answer. And you're going to have to figure out which one's got the right answer for you. The Hindu will tell you one thing. The Muslims will tell you another. Roman Catholicism will tell you that purgatory awaits you. What happens to me when I die? Everybody's got an answer. I hope you've got the right one. Here's Christianity's, here's Christianity's answer to that question. Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you know Him, you live eternally. If you don't know Him, 
you perish. That's, um, that's far more frightening than anything I saw in India. But the other thing that Christianity offers me is a whole definition of who I am and a whole sense of purpose about why I live. It's nice to know that my soul is safe. You bet it is. But it's also nice to know where I came from and where I belong. Our Father, I pray that you will um, remind folks here this morning that the Christian message is not something that is a, um, a Sunday morning discussion. It contains within it everything necessary for life and godliness. It absolutely defines life and the afterlife for us. It is, it is your answers to some very complex questions that we ask. Thank you, O oh God, for drawing me to yourself and for so many others in this room. And I pray, Father, if, you have, if there are some here who have not yet been drawn to this Savior, that you will cause them to see that the Beatles were singing about them and what they need more than anything is not another short-term goal. What they need is a Savior, the Savior, the only Savior, Christ the Lord. We pray this, of course, in Jesus' name, amen.